Hey, I'm Mitchell Holmes, and I am the Children's Director at our Waterford location. Thank you so much for checking out this message. We're glad you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way that you can do that is by texting the word River Connect to 97000. That's River Connect, all one word, to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you'd like to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click on the giving tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. So we are continuing our uh, talk on prayer, and I, I love how kids pray. And so I figured I would give you a few prayers that uh, kids have prayed that I just kind of found on the internet, and I think they're, they're, they're just cute. Uh, first one is this, dear God, my mom tells me you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. <laughs> Please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better in school. Please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll, and please don't tell her where it is. Uh, dear God, can you get me a smartphone? Santa must have forgotten. Oh, this is, this is a rough one. I saw my big brother walking out of the shower on accident. God, can you erase that from my brain? <laughs> ah, there you go. Oh, dear God, when, when will my sister stop being annoying? I'm down to my last patience. Dear God, I promise never to say those words again, at least until my next shots. Dear God, please don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit will be for you, right? Um, dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. I love that one. So good. We are back to prayer this week, and again, uh, Pat spoke about the beginning part of the, sermon, or of, uh, the, of the Lord's Prayer, um, but I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about what he talked about, and then we're going to go into the rest of the Lord's Prayer this morning. I just want to make you aware of that, but let's go ahead and read it. So let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, and it'll be on the screen behind me, but I want to be able to read it together, and then we will dig straight in. In verse 9, Jesus says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, which I had a conversation with somebody this week. It's hallowed. You can say hallowed if you want to, but I say, because I'm a singer, I've always said hallowed. All right, so that's just how it goes. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also, or as, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we want to dig straight in this morning. It's easy to look at this as a prayer that you just recite. In fact, if you've had any type of church history over the years, or if you're even on the outskirts of church, this is something you're like, well, that's the Lord's Prayer. You recite it, you say it, and it's kind of what you do, right? You just recite this prayer. But I'm going to talk about the fact that I don't, I believe Jesus is giving us a model for prayer, not the words to pray. But even if we did just pray these words, what are we actually saying if we pray them? And what is Jesus modeling to us as we pray this? Now, Luke 11, 2, just a few, a couple of gospels over, Jesus actually had one of the disciples come to him and ask, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And you want to know what Jesus did? He recited this. He said this. 
It's a model for prayer. Jesus is instructing his followers how to pray. He's bringing, he's not being prescriptive, which means that these are the exact words you use to pray and this is how you pray them. He's being instructive, saying this is how you need to pray. This is how it starts, what you pray about and how it ends. The reality he starts with is our father, our father. Who do we pray to? We pray to our Father. Now, I know that as soon as the name Father comes up for some of us in this room, it's not a good memory. It is for me, for my dad and me, not a good memory. It's one of the reasons why I've always struggled with God being disappointed with just about everything I do. Because I never got really positive reinforcement from my Father. And so I have to look at God as a heavenly Father. Some of you in this room were abused by your Father. I was verbally abused by my dad. And so when you first think of father, it's like, for some people, it's hard to think of God as a heavenly father. For you to consider God as your father, it's actually a hurdle for you. But I want to encourage you this morning that he is the father you never had if you're in that position. He is not your earthly father. He is your perfect heavenly father. He is all that you thought you needed as a father and everything that you didn't know you needed. He always acts in love toward you and for his glory. And Jesus talking about, about our father in heaven. I know Pat mentioned this a little bit last week, but this was revolutionary because in the Old Testament, God was not referred to as father. In fact, God is only referred to father 14 times as father in the Old Testament, 14 times. And, it's, and, and even, even when those are mentioned, it's impersonally most of the time. Nowhere in the Old Testament will you find a person calling God their father. You won't find an individual calling God their father. But when Jesus came, what did he do? He only addressed God as father. He only addressed him as father. In fact, in just, the four, in just these four gospels, addressing God as your father, is happen, it happens over 60 times. 60. He is our Abba father. He is our dearest Father, You can know that when you go to God, your father, he is the one who sees you. He's the one who knows you. He's the one who died for you, the one who loves you. He's your perfect father. J.I. Packer said this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being a God's child and having God as his, as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new, and better the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. He's our father, and we can boldly come to him. Then hallowed be your name. We consider holy the name of God. The, the prominent name in this prayer, Father. We consider it holy. We consider what it means. And we worship him because of who he is and what he does. I want to go back to being careful with what you call God. My friends, he is not the big guy upstairs. And if you think that's all he is, then you are missing out on how immense and how awesome our God actually is. We've got to be careful with what we call the name of God. I mean, in the Old Testament, the name Yahweh would not be spoken by the Israelite people because it was that holy. It wasn't to come out on their lips. That's how much they revered the name of God. 
And if sometimes the first word out of your mouth is, oh my God, I hope you're praying and not taking his name in vain because his name is holy and revered and hallowed. We need to be careful with how we refer to who God is. In fact, when I was in youth ministry, oftentimes a student would say, oh my God, and I'm like, oh, would you like to pray right now? Just to get us used to maybe that's not the best, best word to use, right? We worship corporately and privately because he is worthy of our worship and we love him. We lift up his name. And prayer begins with recognizing who we're praying to. I want you to grasp that this morning. Prayer begins by recognizing who we are praying to. It begins with worshiping God. It begins with him. And then Jesus goes on. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it mean to pray that God's kingdom come? We pray that God would rule in our day, that God would rule in our lives. It's our prayer that we would be made pure by God, that we would make all of our lives under the rule of Jesus. We would be submissive to him, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to God, Psalm 19, 14. Jesus had a passion about the kingdom of God. He talked a lot about the kingdom of God as it was coming and it was actually already there because of the presence of the son of God. And it came through his resurrection and it comes now because of the spirit, the Holy Spirit dwelling in his people. The commentator said it like this, praying your kingdom come demands a depth of commitment from us. And such a commitment produces a life that makes a difference in our society and in the world. Kingdom power impacts our most intimate relationships. Lives are changed for Christ and some, and some our lives are influenced for Christ, sorry, and some are changed. We can make a difference in our schools. The ethics of those who rule our city can be touched by the kingdom. Sometimes whole societies are elevated. To pray your kingdom come is to reject the corrupt social structures of our day and to strive for a redeemed community. I like that. It's to work toward transforming our community and society. To pray your kingdom come is a commitment to live out the Beatitudes and the ethics of the Sermon on the Mount in dependence of God. That would be kingdom living now, a poverty of spirit, a mourning over the sins of the world, a requisite humility that springs out of those attitudes and actions, a hungering and a thirsting after righteousness, a merciful, forgiving spirit getting involved in society and life because of a singleness and commitment to God, even if that brings persecution. Man, living out the Beatitudes. See, God's canon goes right along with, with the next phrase that we're given, your will be done. Because we submit our will to God. We, we want what we want, but we want what he wants more. We want what we want, but we want what he wants more. That's what we want. We follow Jesus' example in this. All over scripture he says it. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. John five thirty. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 8, 38, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And in the middle of Gethsemane, when Jesus was, knew what was coming, when he's through, through sweating blood and crying tears, he says in Mark 14, 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Gethsemane gets me every time. It's the place that stood out the most to me in Israel where Jesus most, I believe, showed his humanity in that he's saying, God, if there is any other way, 
But he also showed us who we're called to be by saying, Father, I trust you, not my will, but yours be done. And why did he do it? To the glory of God the Father and to save my soul and to save your soul. Then he goes on and he prays, give us this day our daily bread. Now we get to asking for what we need. We ask that God provides for what we need. By praying this first, we declare a daily dependence upon God. There's nothing we can't, we have or can do outside of the grace of God. We've got to understand that. There's nothing that we own. There's nothing that we can do outside of the grace of God. You cannot control your next breath. You don't know if your heart's going to take its next beat. It's only by the grace of God that you're able to do so. This prayer reminds us of that, to ask for our daily bread. And then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's probably the scariest part of this prayer. St. Augustine called this request the terrible petition. Because if we pray this prayer and we don't forgive, then we are actually praying that God would not forgive us. It's a scary thing to pray. And I'd love to try to explain it away and say, oh, well, Jesus really means it. No, he says it at other points of the scriptures. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He just said that. Later on in James 2, 13, it says, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, I do want to make a quick disclaimer. This isn't about struggling to forgive. We all struggle to forgive. Maybe you've been injured so deeply and you haven't had an opportunity to actually begin to live in forgiveness. That hurt is so fresh. Even if it was 10 years ago, it's still fresh. You still struggle to forgive. We cannot forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't. There's no way. But this is what is being said here. It is an attitude of no forgiveness. I will not forgive. That cannot actually, no, literally, it cannot be a Christian's attitude because we have been forgiven of so much. How dare we hold anything over anyone else? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's immediate, but the reality is if we stand and say, I will not forgive that, that is not the heart of someone that has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And so we pray, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then lead us not into temptation. The first thing I want to say about that, God does not lead us into temptation. I want to make that clear. That's not what Jesus is saying here. In James 1.13, it states, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. He doesn't tempt you. Jesus is telling us to ask that our Father would help us to stay away from temptation that would cripple us and cause us to fall. Keep me from the evil one. Keep me from falling into sin. Keep me from, give me the strength to overcome. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will always give you a way out of temptation. The thing is, you have to be relying upon the spirit and you have to be looking for it. And you have to ask God for that help. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we pray that prayer. All over scripture, we're called to pray without ceasing. Well, in scripture, we're called to pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Pretty, 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 
Pretty prominent, right? We're called to pray in faith. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then Mark 11:24 Therefore I tell you whatever you ask in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours. See when we pray in faith we anticipate God's answer according to his will. This is not a thing we're going to pray I'm going to God give me one give me 1 million dollars and he's I'm going to have faith he's going to give it to me. That is not necessarily true because that probably is not God's will for your life. Some days I wish it was, but it is not God's will for my life currently, all right? We anticipate God's answer because it's good. Why? Because what do we start with? Our Abba. We know he'll answer us because he's our father. We're called to pray with fervency and persistence. Psalms 50, Psalm 50, 40 to 50, 14 to 15, if I can talk this morning. A little excited today. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. The word call out here is a loud sound. And trusting that God will deliver. There are times we need to cry out before God because we have nowhere else to go and we want so desperately for God to work. And if God doesn't show up, it ain't gonna happen. We cry out to our God because he's our father and we know he loves us. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. See, fervency is with power, a depth of soul, emotion, a crying out that we just talked about. Praying cannot always be a time of quiet prayer. There are times when from the depths of our soul, we cry out for what we need from God, for what we need of God, for just the fact that we need God. We cry out to God, and he desires that from us because he's our father. He wants every part of us, the good, the bad, and the parts that you don't want anybody else to know. He loves those two. I want us to notice, though, that the footnote of this prayer, there's a little number At the end of verse 13 in your Bible, at least there should be. If it isn't already there, it might be. But in the ESV, there's a number. You go down to the bottom, and it says, Some manuscripts add, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Some people believe Jesus prayed that. Some people believe that he didn't. It, was, it wasn't in earlier manuscripts. It's in later manuscripts. We could talk about textual variants, but that's not why we're here this morning. But it fits. Because prayer begins and ends with God. It doesn't start with us. It begins and ends with him because we are placing our focus on him. Another thing I want us to notice, what is it saying? My father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day. No, it's our father. Give us this day. Forgive us our debts. My friends, this is a corporate prayer. It's a corporate prayer. It's a prayer that we pray together. Not just reciting it, but we are called to pray together. So today, we're going to do something very different. I'm done preaching. Watch it. We're going to talk. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) 
I wanted to talk about it this morning. Now we're going to do it. We're going to practice this together this morning. You can listen to me all the time. I want us to meet with the Holy God together. I want us to declare he's our father. I want us to go through this entire prayer and we're going we're gonna to do something different that maybe some of you have never done before and that's okay. It's called worship-based prayer. And I'm going to give you some prayer prompts. Only one is going to be corporate where we shout it out and it's going to be this first one. The others, I'm going to encourage you to pray. You can pray silently as an individual. You can pray with your, with your spouse. You can pray with friends or the group you came with. But I'm going to give you prayer prompts based upon the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to practice this this morning. And I want to encourage you to take whatever posture you feel called to take. Because sometimes we need to sit, sometimes we need to stand and worship. Sometimes we need to kneel and pray. The altar will be open if you want to come and pray. The one thing I want to encourage you, though, is that when we pray corporately, we don't bring attention to ourselves. We only put our focus on him. So be careful with what we do. Because we don't want any attention to come to us. We want all glory to go to him. But if you feel that at some point during this time that you need to get on your face before God, get on your face before God. If you want to kneel before him, kneel. If you want to stay seated, that's fine. If you want to stand and praise and lift your hands, you can do that too. But this morning, I wanted us to practice it more than just hear about it. So as we begin right now, this prayer begins with our Father. So I would like us in this moment to shout out the completion of this phrase. I'm going to say, God, you are. And when you say it, you don't need to stand, but I want you to shout out, God, you are my king. God, you are, you fill in the blank. Let's do it, church. God, you are. Yeah. 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 Home, yeah. Your love. for a living. What was that? Who said that? Who, what else did you say? True Holy One. True Holy One. Amen. Man, I didn't expect this. When I see people say it, I know some of your stories and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get wrecked up here in a minute. <laughs> Who is he? Who is he? God, you are. Hmm. Holy, holy, holy. Enough. Hmm. Yeah. Refuge. Everything. What was that? Faithful. foundation. Mm-hmm. 
constant he is. Unchanging. <laughs> Amen. Unconditional love, yeah. What was that over here? Anchor. Mm. River of life. Savior, restorer, redeemer. And sometimes, friends, we need to be reminded of who he is. It's too easy to forget. The reason I love this kind of prayer is because when we, when we forget, we hear somebody else say it, and we're reminded. He is all those things and more. And we're going to sing a song here called Fall Like Rain. It's a new song that you may or may not know. You may have heard it on the radio. But we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fall on this place as we continue to pray after this song. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but you can if you want. If you want to stay seated, if you want to kneel. We're going to, we're going to worship in song. and Because worshiping in song is praying too. I want us to grasp that today. And so let's just sing this together and ask the Holy Spirit that we would know he's present with us.
done on earth as it is in heaven so let's take a couple minutes and just ask that God's kingdom would be lived in our lives and in this moment pray the prayer God may your will be done in 
You can pray that. May your will be done in, and then you give it to God. Those areas of your life where you've struggled giving him complete control, that you've submitted your heart to him. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in. Just take a couple minutes and finish that before God. this day our daily bread so let's spend a couple moments asking God for what we need maybe it's restoration of a relationship maybe it's financial trouble maybe it's a struggle with an addiction Maybe it's health concerns. Maybe it's a a loss of a loved one. Jesus, give us this day our daily bread. And so spend some time just asking God for what you so desperately need. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This can be a difficult one to pray. But if there's someone in your life that you need to give forgiveness to, ask God for the strength to begin to forgive them. If you're the one that needs to ask for forgiveness, ask God for the humble, the humility and the strength to ask for the forgiveness that you need. Maybe it's forgiving, asking God for forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive yourself because of something you've done. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, oh God. Let's spend some time there. into temptation but deliver us from evil so now ask God to deliver you from the, from the temptations that you struggle with from those things that, that you know tempt you to walk away from him whether it's an attitude of I can do it on my own or it's a temptation towards sin or it's a temptation to not love the way you should whatever that may look like ask God to, to deliver you and to keep you from the evil one that you might keep your eyes directly on him God deliver me from That's the phrase, God, deliver me from, and you fill it out. Let's pray that to God in this moment. Oh. 
team is going to make their way up in this moment because for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and we will finish this morning by lifting up the name of Jesus Christ we will we will declare how awesome he is again feel free to stand or sit but for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever